Welcome to Inspire Her Health, your podcast for all things her. We are a one-stop shop dedicated to inspiring you to live your best by providing the latest tips, tricks, and stories from leading experts in the industry. Our mission is to bring women just like you together in an inspiring community to enhance your mind, body, and life in the healthiest way possible. Welcome, sister. You're in the right place. This is where you belong. So let's begin. This episode is brought to you by our favorite superfood company, Energy Bits. Energy Bits are tiny nutrition tablets that contain spirulina and chlorella algae. These algae tablets are safe, pure, and packed with over 40 micronutrients and plenty of protein. These fast, easy, convenient raw tablets can be swallowed, chewed, added to smoothies, salads, trail mix, or other healthy snacks. Now, not all algae is created high quality, but at Inspire Her Health, we trust and stand behind Energy Bits tablets because they are the only algae brand sold, endorsed, trusted, and used by doctors, nutritionists, and wellness professionals nationwide. They are also endorsed by over 50 Olympic athletes and professional athletes. So whether you're an athlete yourself, a mom like me, working professional, wellness buff, or somebody in between, these superfood tablets are sure to help improve your immune system, energy, focus, hunger, beauty, nutrition, and overall health. Visit Energy Bits website to learn more and order your LG superfood tablets today. Go to www.energybits.com and use the promo code INSPIREHEALTH for 20% off. Once again, go to www.energybits.com and use the promo code INSPIREHEALTH for 20% off your order of these amazing algae superfood tablets. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspire Her Health podcast. I'm Christine Nicole, your host, CEO, and founder of Inspire Her Health. So today we have Crystal Noel on the show. She is a certified life coach who helps overwhelmed moms find the expert within themselves to step into their power as a parent. She is a mother of four who has experienced firsthand the struggles of motherhood and homeschooling her four kids. She now makes it her mission to empower moms through self-development and positive parenting practices. So I have to say that I personally got so much out of interviewing Crystal on this episode. Crystal gives us so many key takeaways on the role that personal growth and development plays in becoming a better parent overall. We also discuss what positive parenting is and how it can benefit children of all ages, including teens and kids with special needs. This is a must listen for any parent out there striving to put their best foot forward for their kids. So without further ado, let's dive into the episode with Crystal Noel. So welcome Crystal to the show. So excited to have you here with us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. That's awesome. So I would love for you to start off by just telling the listeners who they're listening to and a little bit of your background story and how you started uh, your call to help mothers through um, parenting issues. 
Okay. Um, so my name is Crystal. Like you said, I own Coaching with Crystal Noel, and I have an undergrad in psychology. So I went to school years ago. Um, I actually had like one and a half kids by the time I graduated um, with my degree. Um, and I kind of always knew, I don't even remember when I knew I wanted to help people. I think I was in high school when I was trying to decide like kind of what career path I wanted. And I just loved, um, human behavior and learning about human behavior and why people did what they did basically. And any other classes that I liked, I liked because when we would learn about things, we would kind of delve into human behavior. So I went right out of university or right out of high school. I went into university for that and I loved it. And, um, so I had two kids by the time I was done or almost two and decided to stay home at that point. But I really got a lot into, um, parenting books. So I would just like read a lot about parenting and about positive parenting and just everything. And so over the years, I just read a ton and learned a lot. And I knew that eventually I wanted to, um, take my master's and go do something. I was actually thinking about marriage and family therapy so that I could help parents and kids. Um, so I looked into a lot of different programs. Um, I looked into uh, some different programs like coaching programs, parent coaching programs. And that's when I found Brooke Castillo and the Life Coach School. And I loved her methodology like so much. Like I was like, this is what I want to do. And I have a sister and a mom who are therapists. And through chatting with them and their experience with their masters, which they loved, um, but they did feel like it was quite structured. Like, um, depending on who you have come with you, you kind of have to counsel them in a certain way. And so if you're working for somebody else and not working for yourself, or even during your practicum, they would kind of tell you like, this family needs this, this kid needs this. And I just adhere so much to positive parenting and intentional parenting that I was like, Ooh, if somebody told me like, well, you have to go use this other method of counseling that I didn't feel like was helpful. I just, yeah, it just didn't really mesh with me. So I ended up deciding to go to the life coach school. She has a really great program, a certification program. So that's what I did. And for six months you get trained and I just practiced coached a whole bunch. And then I started my business in March. So it hasn't been around for very long. And um, then I'm doing another six month in-depth uh, training where I get to learn how to teach and group coach and stuff like that. So that's kind of what got me into it. And I chose overwhelmed moms because that was me. I just, I was an overwhelmed mom and, um, that's kind of my whole story and, and where I was and, and how I changed that. And so that's who I want to help just because I know that it can be better and that moms can feel better. And I want to help them get there. Wow. What a gift to be able to give. Like I'm a mom myself and I know the struggles personally of being a mom and kind of feeling ashamed if you're not dealing with it well. Mm -hmm. And so to have somebody like you out there that is, is saying it's okay. You know, there's help and I'm here for you. I think that's like a fresh of breath air for a lot of moms for sure. Mm -hmm. so that's quite amazing. Now, was there a pivotal moment in your, your own motherhood that made you decide that, Hey, like this is the moment I need to go and help other women. Was there a certain thing that happened that really kind of pushed you in that direction? Um, I think I always loved helping people and giving advice to people. And I remember being out at this girl's night one time, I always have made it important for me to like take my own me time. So I had a group of girls that we were good friends and we would get together every week. And I also went on a date with my husband every week. We pretty much our entire marriage have done that for 14 years. 
So, um, anyway, so I was out with my girlfriends and we were chatting and everybody was talking about their kids and problems they were having and how it was so hard and how they were basically the story that I was hearing was like, I'm a bad mom, like from everybody. Like I'm such a bad mom. Like I yelled at my kids. They watched TV all day. They're all eating junk food. Like I'm a bad mom. And it got around to the table to kind of me. And I was like, so guys, I'm actually an awesome mom because I don't know if you guys heard, but like this parenting gig is super hard. Like, did anybody tell you that it's actually really hard and it's crazy that we're doing as good as we're doing? And they all like laughed and they're like, we should put that in a t-shirt. And I'm like, no, but really like, I just feel like, par- like you become a parent and you're like, well, this should be easy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why we ever thought that, like whoever decided that this should be easy. I don't know who they were, but they were crazy. So anyways, I have always felt like, no, this is tough. And like, it's amazing, but it's tough and we can do it. And, um, anyways, and so I've kind of always felt that way. I think the major shift probably happened when I just, I had decided to homeschool my kids just for a year or two. I ended up doing it forever. I mean, we're on like our eighth going into ninth year now. So, um, but initially I was just like, Oh yeah, we'll just do it for a little while so I can spend more time with them. And I kept reading all these books about learning and it always said like, inspire your kids through your own learning. And I was like, I'm not really doing my own learning. So I started like reading books and I started getting interested in like what I loved again, which was psychology. And as I started reading more about psychology and more about parenting and all these self-help books, Um, I got really inspired. And I think at that point was when I was like, I need to be sharing this with other people. Like if I'm inspiring my kids, then I need to be like inspiring them through action too. And not just like learning and create consuming all this information, but like taking action. And so that's probably when the main shift happened was when I decided like, okay, I have been able to help moms like in my own circle just like conversationally or with friends, but I would love to help people on a bigger scale. And I want my kids to be inspired not only by my learning, but my action. Yeah. Wow. And you know, you touched on the mom guilt, you know, you hear mm-hmm. that a lot. And when you said that, I was like, okay, we got it. We got to talk a little bit about this because I know a lot of the listeners who are moms right now are thinking, yeah, I've had that. I probably still have it. Yeah. So where, like, what do you say to the moms out there who have this you know, insatiable guilt that they just can't get rid of that. They're terrible moms. Mm-hmm. What are kind of some positive things that you can tell them? And also, where do you think that even came from? Like, it's such a horrible thing to have. It is. So I think it's human nature. I think that it's just part of what our brain does for being human. I heard a quote one time, I feel like it was Brene Brown. And she said, you either have shame or you're a sociopath. So if you have shame, cool, you're human you're doing fine. Like you're not a sociopath. So good job. And I was just like, that is so true. Like every single, it's just part of the human condition. Every single person deals with it. Um, but what I want to separate, I know we always call it mom guilt, but it's really the difference between guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. Guilt is like, I did something wrong. Like I screamed at my kid's face. Like afterwards I'm going to be like, Oh, that, that was wrong. Right. And you can look back with guilt and be like, okay, what, what can I do better? Like, is there some, somebody that can help me? Is there something I need to learn? Where shame is you make it about you. You're like, I am wrong. I am a bad mom. So I think that's where the crux of it is, is that it really is shame dealing with mom guilt, pretty normal. It kind of just progresses us. And it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like a compass showing us like, okay, we're kind of going this direction. We need to like go in another direction or whatever. So I don't, I think 
not that we want to sit in guilt forever, but I don't think it's necessarily that bad. But I do think shame is, Mm -hmm. I think that that shame of like, I'm a bad mom. I'm never going to be a good mom. Everybody else is a better mom than me. Everyone else has it figured out except me. I think that's really where our problems um, probably are more in when it comes to parenting. Mm -hmm. And I love how you split the two in, in, in half because they're two separate identities. That's such a good way of putting it because I think a lot of moms put the guilt and the shame together as one. And by you saying, you know what, it actually is a little healthy to have a little bit of guilt because that means you're getting those feelings and it, it actually pushes you into the right direction. Mm-hmm. So I love how you split it. So, you know, one is almost a negative and the other one isn't so bad. So that kind of takes that yeah. shame off of the whole mom guilt altogether. It is because like, um, for instance, say this was like weight loss, right? And somebody comes and they're like trying to look back at like, okay, well, yesterday I sat and like ate a whole bag of potato chips. So I'm not going to be like, okay, you're a terrible person. I'm going to be like, okay, what was happening? Were you tired? Did you go buy chips? Were were chips around? Like we're going to analyze that situation with like love and curiosity and compassion and like learn from it so that we can figure out skills to move forward so that it doesn't happen again. Where shame would just be like, I'm awful. Like I'm just going to eat all the chips now. Like I'm going to go off the diet. Like I'm going to go on and off diets all the time. And that usually is driven by shame. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love how you put the analogy of the weight loss because that is, it's so, a lot of people can relate to that for sure. Mm -hmm. So what would you say that, um, like, what are some common challenges that you find most common challenges that you find with mothers and yeah, share some of those with us and kind of let us know what those are that are kind of across the board. Shame for sure. Um, shame. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to mention two. There's so many that we could go into, but one would for sure be shame. Um, so our brain kind of patterns in this way. We like have a thought and then it makes us feel a certain way. So, you know, say we're like, I'm a terrible mom. I'm a terrible person. Everyone else is doing a a better job than me. That's likely going to produce a feeling of shame in your body. And like, if you just think back on the last time that you felt like really intense shame, like what did that look like? You were probably like sitting on your couch, eating chips, watching Netflix, scrolling social media. Like you just wanted to numb out. You don't like that feeling, right? And mm-hmm. you're going to be more irritated with your kids. You're going to be more frustrated with your spouse. Like all of those things that are going to be actions from that feeling of shame will actually result in more shame. So then there's these like layers of shame and like layers of self-judgment. Like I should know better. I should be better. Oh, look, I just sat all day and letting my kids watch TV because I was feeling so bad about myself. So that's why like stop yelling courses or whatever don't work. Like us forcing ourselves to stop yelling because yelling usually comes from a place of, you know, frustration or shame that we're not really dealing with what's going on behind that. Like the root cause, what I do is causal coaching. So it's figuring out and like getting awareness about what is going on behind us so that it can just naturally shift. So it's not something you have to keep forcing. Um, so definitely shame is a big one. And the second one would be, um, the thought, I don't know. So I don't know what to do with my kid when they're having a tantrum on the floor and I'm trying to leave the pool. I don't know with my, what to do with my kid when they take a water bottle and smash a window. I don't know what to do with him when he throws something at my face. I don't know what to do with my teenager when he completely ignores me and walks out of the house. I don't know what to do with my teenager when I take away his cell phone and then find him on a cell phone two hours later. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't really matter what it was, but the thought, I don't know, like, I don't know how to deal with this comes up so much. And it's like this invisible wall 
that blocks us from actually knowing. We believe it so strongly that our brain stops looking for an answer. So then we don't know, like we don't try to go outside of ourselves and find an answer to read books, like to learn, to, you know, hire a coach, to go to therapy, to all of those things that we would be doing because we're believing this, this untrue, untruth that's, I don't know. And um, when you can move to a space of, I do know, like I know how to handle this, um, it's so interesting to me because I did this with the client one time and every single thing she told me, I was like, um, just imagine, like imagine somebody that you know, that like just knows exactly what to do in every situation in parenting. And the actions that she gave me were like everything from all the books that I've read. She hasn't read them, but like all these books, like connect with your children and spend time before and like figure out what's the root cause of the behavior. And like, it was almost like she was like telling me this, the, the Coles notes versions of all these books. And, and I was like, so, and she hasn't read them. And it was so interesting. Cause I'm like, you don't need the books to tell you what to do. If you believe that you know what to do, it just comes naturally. Oh, can I add a third one? I need yes, to please do. Okay. <laughs> I just came to me. Um, a lot of parents come and I'll say like, what's your end goal in parenting? Like what, you know, what do you want as a parent? And they always tell me that in the future, they want this like life where their kids will always come back to them, where their kids will know that they're loved, that they're seen, that like no matter what choices they make, that they're just always accepted. And I love that totally for that. But their current parenting is just not indicative of that. Their current parenting is yelling, shame-based rewards, punishments, timeouts, grounding, taking phones away, like all of those things are never like they're on the wrong path to the wrong destination with like thinking that they're going to this other destination. And it's just so incongruent. And I think they kind of know that too, but they're not sure how, again, that, that thought of like, well, I don't know how, like, I don't know how to get here. Um, just really blocks them. Yeah. I'm glad you threw the third one in there. Cause that is, that resonates a lot too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think I do some of those things for sure. <laughs> oh, we all do. Like, even though I know all the things, like I do not just like never yell at my kids or like, anyways, I totally only fed them French fries for lunch. Like I am <laughs> not just like always awesome all the time, but I do believe that I know what to do so mm-hmm. I can go back and like, we do do overs all the time. Like we're, I'm like, we're a do over family. Like mom freaks out. I go and I'm like, sorry guys, like I didn't have enough food this morning. I didn't get very good sleep. Like just wasn't feeling very well. Shouldn't have yelled at you. I'm sorry. Give everybody hugs. We move on. And, um, I think that's what the, what shame stops you from doing. Shame is just like, I'm the worst, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. really try to go back and do it over, apologize, fess up to what you did, learn from it, grow from it. It's just, it just keeps you stuck, keeps you in that space. And yeah, you're so right. And when you're sh- be, you're putting shame on yourself, you feel so embarrassed by your actions that you don't even go back and admit that you did something wrong. So what you're doing, the do-over, that is so smart and so vulnerable at the same time because you're showing your kids, hey, mom, I'm mom and I do make mistakes and this is how I correct them. And that's such a nice thing to be able to give to your kids saying that it's totally okay to fess up to mistakes as long as you're willing to correct that mistake. So what a powerful Totally. Thing. And I think, um, I remember getting coached one time and thinking like, I just want to be this perfect, like Mary Poppins mom. That's always loving and compassionate and like, no matter what. And she was like, that doesn't really seem 
like it resonates with you as a person. Like it just doesn't really jive with you. And I was like, yeah, that's true. And she was like, would you have wanted your mom to be perfect? And I looked back and I was like, no, if my mom was perfect, I would have grown up to be a mom that's human, that has all these human emotions that I'm learning how to deal with. And as soon as I freak out at my kids, I'm going to be like, oh, there's something wrong with me. Like my mom never did this. And I was like, how much better it is to have an imperfect mother who's so learning, who's so willing to learn and grow. So, so many times, like my kids will even attest to this. They think it's hilarious. I'll sit down and be like, oh, I've been doing this all wrong. Like this one major thing of life, like chores, like we've been doing chores totally wrong. The reason that you guys hate chores is because I'm teaching it to you wrong. And so we're doing this whole new thing. I read this book and like, we're changing it all. And, uh, it, it happens regularly and the kids are like, Oh, what's happening now? Like, what are we changing? Like, what's the big shift? Um, but it, it happens all the time and it's because I'm learning and I'm growing. And if I pretend that I just know it all, then like, it's just not very authentic. Mm-hmm. My goodness. I could learn a lot from you <laughs> afterwards. I'm going to have to chat to you about that for sure. So I wanted to kind of just touch base a little bit on what you said about the uh, parents that don't like just pretty much say, I don't know, put their hands up. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that partly has to do with them just being so emotionally overwhelmed that they shut down? Probably, but I think that the thoughts always come first. Mm -hmm. So I think the thoughts of like, this is too much. I don't know how to handle this. I can't handle this. I don't want to handle this that is what's leading to those emotions. And we don't really get taught in society how to feel our feelings. We're like, well, it's good. You should feel your feelings. Like it's a good thing, but we don't learn how. And it wasn't until I was in coach training where one of the tools that we learn is like how to process feelings. And I started learning more about it and reading more about it and practicing feeling my feelings. And I was like, wow, like, why don't they teach this in school? Like, I don't know. Anyways, I I do feel like we don't we don't even know a lot of feelings words. I remember reading a study one time that said that the typical human can only list 10 emotions, like no more than 10. And at the time I remember like writing some down and like, I don't know if I got more than 10, but it was around there, 10 or 12. And uh, now I could easily do like 50 off the top of my head. And I think that just like knowing more emotions and then being aware in your body about what that feels like and just like actually allowing it and allowing yourself to feel that like, it's not bad to feel anger. It's not bad to feel overwhelmed. It's not bad to feel shame. It just means you're human, but learning the skills to deal with them. Yeah, you're so right. And I mean, there is, there's never been a, you know, emotional intelligence one-on-one course. You don't get it Mm -hmm. in high school. You don't get it in college. Maybe there is one in college. I've never seen it, but you know, it's so, it's so right. And it's not until you're an adult that you realize, Hey, maybe I need some help with this. Right. And I think And I think that's where kids are so beautiful is because when you have a child, they literally hold the mirror up to you and say, here's Mm -hmm. the things that you should change because your actions are affecting me this way. So being able to tap into that emotional intelligence is so, so important. I'm actually developing a program exactly that because I felt like that's what was missing. I would look back and be like, I have all these great printables that come. Like um, there's a lady named Renee from Gozen and there's Big Life Journal. And I just love all the printables. And I'm like teaching my kids all these great things. And I'm like, I wish there was a course. Like I wish there was somebody that could teach my kids these things. I was thinking my teenagers um, specifically, he's 13. And I'm like, I wish that I knew these skills in high school. And then I was like, okay, there's not like I should do one for my kids. And then I was like, maybe I should just do one for all the kids because I do think it's so needed. Like emotional intelligence. 
I tell people this all the time. I'm like, especially for homeschooling, people come to me for homeschooling advice all the time. And I'm like, do not even worry about your kids' academics. Like don't like they're sponges. They'll learn, they'll grow. They'll, they'll learn just from like living all the time, but emotional intelligence, totally different thing. You need to be like role modeling it. You need to be like actively doing emotional intelligence on yourself. You need to be teaching them those skills because it isn't something that will just come naturally to them. And it's a lot more indicative of future success than IQ. EQ is a lot um, better than IQ, not a lot better, but a lot more indicative of future success than IQ. So um, that's something that I talk about all the time. My kids just get sick of it. They're like, I don't want to meditate. I don't want to do any <laughs> deep breathing. I don't want you to whatever. I'll turn on a podcast and they're like, I don't want to listen to this <laughs> anyways. Um, but they get it all the time. They know that they have to take this course from me. I'm like, don't worry guys. It's going to be so fun. You'll love it. <laughs> You know, and it's so true because whatever you doing, whatever you're doing with your children now is setting them up for the future. And for now they just live in the moment. So they don't know, but when they become adults and they look back at the things you do, they're going to be like, wow, mom mm. really understood. She really got it. You know, like <laughs> yeah. right now they're probably just like, she's crazy. But really in, in the long term, that is such a beautiful gift that you can give your kids. And yeah, my four-year-old will be like, yeah, I know. Feel my feelings. Like she just like says my little catchphrases all the time. It's so funny, but I'm like, one day you'll be grateful for all of this, <laughs> all this stuff that annoys you right now. Yeah. How, what a gift to give them for sure. So I would love kind of to pick your brain. Crystal, I know you are, you specialize in um, something called positive parenting. And I don't know if the audience have heard of that before, but can you just give us a little bit about that? I think that it's a nice transition into that because I was going to ask you, you know, what are some ways that we can handle these challenges? But I think positive parenting would be a really good way to kind of mm -hmm. dive into that. So just let our listeners know what positive parenting is and how it works. Sure. Um, so there's a few different names for it. I mean, positive parenting, attachment-based parenting, intentional parenting, um, I guess really what it means is like trying to be an emotionally intelligent adult yourself, <laughs> like doing all those things. Um, so what I love about it is it focuses on connection. So it's not just like all rainbows and daisies and positivity all the time, but it is on connection. So if you can build that connection with your kids so that they feel that attachment, um, then that's really, I guess they'll model their behavior after you. So for instance, like years ago, I can't remember how many years ago, like a hundred years ago, kids used to be attached to their parents in a different way than they are now. Like they were just kind of naturally attached to their parents and this kind of like top down relationship. And they looked to them for um, behavior and for advice and for love and connection and all of those things. And at some point, I think it was after World War One, I, I read that it switched. The, there was a shift where they started kind of looking more towards their peers. Um, Gordon Newfeld, calls this peer oriented attachment, but it's essentially like they looked at their peers for how they should then be behaving. So, um, is this behavior okay? Should I be acting like them? Are they okay with this? Am I accepted? Like kind of all of those attachment based things were coming from their peers instead. And so it's changing that because that's kind of what's naturally happening right now with our kids to them being attached and connected to us in this top down relationship so that they're, um, more loved and supported and connected by us. So for instance, they could go out to a park and there would be a bully and the bully would be like making fun of them or whatever. And they would come home and they would still be sad and they might be hurt, but they would know that you love them and that you, their connection is with you and that what you believe in about them is what matters most. And so it kind of shields their heart. Gordon Neufeld says this all the time. It shields their heart. Um, 
anyway, so that's kind of what I love about that in general. There's been a lot of people after him, Dr. Tina Payne Bryson, um, Dr. Siegel, um, Deborah McNamara. There's so many good authors, but their ideas are all kind of similar. It's this like connection, attachment, and um, us kind of being that role model for them and them having a safe space to feel whatever feelings they have because kids have really big emotions. They go through developmental phases where their hormones and chemicals and everything going inside them are like going crazy and up and down. And that's totally normal. And when we think they should act like a little adults, like when we think that our seven-year-old son shouldn't be like throwing a tantrum and we get frustrated and whatever, like then we're just going to agitate them and make it a worse situation. But if we can kind of look at that situation and shift our expectation and be like, oh, look, he's just being seven again. His brain must just be raging. Like that's mm-hmm. just him. We can, we can be that safe space for them and let them know that we can like, you know, that we love them and that we're there for them through everything. Yeah. And that's, wow. What a beautiful thing. And I love how you gave us a little bit of the history of how it kind of switched. And I'm wondering when you said that, I kind of thought, you know, I wonder if industrialization really had a big thing to do with that. And the fact that before, you know, moms, the mom was at home, right? Mm -hmm. And now in our society, both parents are working full time. And yeah. So do, you, do you think that's a big I think so. Why? Yeah. I think um, public school also like just kids being at school and it becoming younger and younger ages. Cause there's a major developmental shift that happens in the brain from ages five to seven in kids. So I think that, um, and kids used to not go to school that young and it's just kind of got can become younger and younger and the hours that they've gone to school has become bigger. So I think all of those things, school classrooms have become bigger. It's not so many, you know, like the old school houses where they're just be like all different ages and stages at the same time, whereas now it's a lot more um, differentiated. Um, so I think there's a lot of different aspects that come into play, but I think the important part is just like recognizing that, that that's what's going to be happening naturally and that we need to be trying to counteract that in, in our parenting. Yeah. And, you know, I read a book, you were talking about some of the books that, that kind of talk about the positive parenting um, theory. And I read a book, I don't know if you read it. I think Gabor Mate did it. It was Hang On To Your Children. Do you know that one? Okay. So yeah. So Gordon Newfeld, the guy I was talking about, yeah. it's called Hold On To Your Kids. And it was- Oh, Gay- Hold On To Your Kids. Okay. Was, okay. Hold On To Your Kids. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Mate and Gordon Newfeld, And he's like kind of the first- I don't know. I don't want to say the first because there's been other other firsts kind of happening at the same time. But um, he's the one who who coined the term peer oriented attachment, which is what I'm kind of talking about here. And I can't remember who it was that I heard talk at a positive parenting workshop who said like the history of it. But I thought that was so interesting that it used to not be like that. Um, and then the more books that I read, the more they're kind of interconnected, like all kind of believe the same theory. Um, one of my most recent favorite books, well, two. One is um, Rest Play Grow by Dr. Deborah McNamara. She works with Dr. Gore. Gordon Newfeld, And so she, her book is just so applicable. It's kind of like, um, the playbook versus his is like the ph- philosophical book. Like you get all this theory and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. But then you're like, how do I actually do it? And she has really, um, really good examples about how this can actually happen in real life. Yeah, that was quite an, I didn't get to finish the whole book. My mom gave it to me and there were so many things in there that I related to as a kid you know, and, I, and when I read it, I was like, well, that makes sense why I didn't have, you know, a very close bond with my parents in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. They were both working, you know, they had their businesses, so they were working 14 hours a day. And, and yeah, you know, just in my life in general was pure orientated. Everything I did mm-hmm. had to be, you know, uh, everything had to be uh, respected and thought, you know, I, everything, every decision I did, I had to look to my 
my peers to be like, is this yeah. good? Can you validate this? Is this, am I good? Am I a good yeah. person? So yeah, as a parent, that's something that personally, I definitely don't want for my son for sure. Mm -hmm. So with the, with the positive parenting, um, now is there like, does it work with all kids? Uh, or, or like, what about special needs kids? How do they fit into that? Even more amazingly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, oh, so much more. Um, I think that so often with kids that are, that have special needs, we don't shift our expectation enough. We're just like, okay, yes, they were at this when they're five, but now they're seven. And we've, you know, been dealing with an OT and a PT and a pediatrician and a physiotherapist and they're on medication. And so no, they should be doing better here. So like every time that we shift that expectation, then I think that there can be that like in, internal struggle with us. And it's really how then we show up as them. So for instance, my son, he would have meltdowns all of the time, meltdown after meltdown, and they were really severe. Um, one of my, one of the four. And um, I would get so frustrated because I was like, no, like we've done all the things you're this age now, according to this, like this should at least be better. And so then I would just show up and be so frustrated in my dealing with him. And then he would then be so much more frustrated with me and it would just like perpetuate the problems. And because he was feeling so much more disconnected with me that he would have more meltdowns that were way more severe all of the time. And it wasn't until I started to work on me that our relationship got better. And over the course of a year or so that his behaviors actually got way better, phenomenally better, like 80% better. And so I'm not, saying like, okay, it's going to cure your children for sure not, but it, it just helps your home be so much more peaceful. I was so much more at peace. He was so much more at peace. And I think that he just knew like, it's okay for me to have a meltdown. That's just sometimes going to happen, but my parents still love me. Cause I think that that's, you know, if your kid totally has a meltdown and you completely freak out at them, even if afterwards you're like, no, I love you. I'm sorry. Like they have to really feel that they have to really feel that that's true for them. Yeah. And I mean, with the meltdowns, I think that as a as a parent, as a mom, and especially if the meltdowns are getting later and later in life, I think there's also that fear where they're like, what's wrong with my child? Is there something yeah. wrong? And then that fear gets projected onto that child, right? And that makes it worse for sure. Totally. But yeah, I really think it can work with every child. And like I said, that one mom who's never really read anything about positive parenting and then gave me all of the actions that are like in the positive parenting books. I think that this is naturally how we would parent if we were in that positive and peaceful mindset. Like if we're able to not feel so overwhelmed and frustrated and angry all of the time, I think that that's just, I, like one of the words really should just be natural parenting. I think that that is naturally how we would parent if we were emotional adults, if we knew how to feel our own feelings, if we had high emotional intelligence, this is just the kind of parenting that would naturally ensue. Yeah. Like intuitive parenting or conscious yeah. parenting. That's, that's all mm -hmm. in there. You know, actually I got advice once from a, a, a mom of four kids and it was actually the best advice I could get. And she said, you're going to read books. You're going to hear all these things from your friends and your family on how to parent your child. But she said, your most important uh, source is yourself. She's like, your instinct as a mom is there. You just have to learn to tap into it. And so is that something that you do totally. when you, when you work with parents with positive parenting and all those kind of things that you work with the tapping into your own intuition mm -hmm. as a, as a mom? 
Yeah, I definitely do. And like every once in a while, I'll give them some positive parenting advice. Like I do a positive parenting workshop. So when I'm doing that, it's probably like half mindset stuff and like them tapping into their own inner power. And then half I'll give them advice from what I've read and no, no works and stuff. But I really do think that it's just tapping into that inner power, like you said, because I believe that it's like making them the expert. If they feel like they're the expert in their own homes and they know exactly what to do, they don't have to keep going to other experts to like figure it out. So I think that it's just getting to that point where they believe in themselves. They have the confidence in themselves and their parenting. And like what you said, like, I don't think they're going to have to go and ask people all of the time or like listen to everybody else's advice. They're just going to know what they need to do for their child. And one of the thoughts and beliefs that I have that I love that I think is true for everyone is that I am the perfect parent for my child. Like my child, my children need me and I need them and we're perfect for each other. And even if there's some days that we have that are awful and terrible, that there's like that we can learn and we can grow together from them. And so even if I'm not like the perfect parent, and even if I, you know, have years where I have no idea what I'm doing, that that was exactly what it was supposed to be like. And I think just like having compassion for myself, like I was a super young mom. I was in university. I had no idea what I was doing. None of my friends or family had had kids before me. Like, I don't even know if somebody sat me down and told me that labor was painful. Like I was literally so naive about life. And so everything was new to me. And so looking back at that and just having compassion and be like, yeah, like I made a lot of mistakes. And like, if I went back, like, oh, I wish that those didn't happen. But at the same time, I couldn't have learned what I did learn. And I wouldn't have been on the path that I was on. And I couldn't have come to where I am now if none of that happened. So just kind of forgiving yourself for, for that, for like, I did the best that I could do at the time. I'm doing the best that I know how to do now. I'll do the best that I know how to do in the future. And I'm just going to keep learning and growing and moving on this path. Yeah. And you're so right. Like you can't, you can't learn if you don't have compassion for the mistakes that you've had. Mm-hmm. So being able to, like what you're saying is just being able to empower moms to say, Hey, you know, I am, I am vulnerable. I do make mistakes. What can I learn from it? And what can I do differently going forward? That's such a, mm-hmm. such a powerful thing. So yeah. do you find that, um, this type of style of parenting and coaching, does it work with kids of all ages? Does it work with babies up to teens or is there a certain age? Yeah, I think it works like even with adults. Like I think it's really like, (laughs) I was reading reading Rest Play Grow and it's called Rest Play Grow um, for for preschoolers and anybody who acts like it. And as you read it, you're just like, oh yeah, like a lot of us didn't go through those natural phases of development. Just like what you said, like maybe our parents were too busy. Maybe we didn't have that connection or attachment. Maybe we had too much peer oriented socialization, all of those kinds of things. And so maybe we didn't learn all of those stages or go through all of those stages of development. And so I think that it can work for, for any relationship. Like it's just helpful to have that connection because kind of what happens is when you're the mom and you have a kid that that's the attachment, the attachment supposed to be from the kid to the mom. And then as you age, then you get married and that attachment, it also goes from you to your spouse and your spouse to you. And so it really does come into play. Like all of the same factors, like feeling loved and feeling connected and feeling like you have a safe space to be heard. And you know, your feelings are valid and all of these things, like they're all the same. Like I was developing a course on relationships, like with your, your partner. And I like literally say the same things. I'm like, Oh, this is so funny. Like they, they really do go hand in hand, but I do think it can work for kids at any age. And then I also think the biggest thing is like, you can start now. If you're like, Oh, my kid's 17. Like it's too late. Like it's never too late. My parents, my mom was the one who first told me about Gordon Neufeld's book, hold on to your kids. And her kids were, um, 
she had a lot of kids. So there's kind of a long spread, but she, I think she, I think he was about 17 when she first started this. And, um, she's the one who told me about it. And then I am teaching my kids in this way. And then I'm telling my friends about it. And I think that it is, it's getting a little bit more popular now. Like people are more wanting something more intentional. They don't want to just have this dictatorial authoritarian parent style that they had when they were growing up. Like they just don't, that doesn't jive with them. And so I think it's getting more and more, more and more popular now, but yeah, in answer to your question, I think it could any age, I think it can help with all of them. Yeah. And I like how you said it could also be good for adults too. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm sure once you do this type of coaching and you, cause a lot of it, it sounds to me like a lot of it is self growth and personal development as a, as a mom, all of first, it, right? A hundred percent of it is like, people are like, come help me with my kids. My kids are freaking out. And I'm like, Oh yes, yes, I will. And then they come and I'm like, actually it's you, (laughs) but it is really like, if we have all these negative thoughts about ourselves, for instance, as moms, if we're, imagine that you had this little best friend on your shoulder that was like talking at you all day, talking out loud, your negative thoughts, like you're a bad mom. You shouldn't have said that that way. You yelled too much. You didn't eat enough. You didn't feed them enough. You're what they're watching too much Netflix today. Like all the time, like you're dumb. You're so silly. Why did you say that? You look weird. That sounds funny. You know, all those things all day long. And we're just like allowing those thoughts in our head over and over and over again. How are we supposed to be dealing with that and then be a positive parent? Like, I feel like what life coaching did for me was bridge the gap between positive and intentional parenting and human nature, where we're just like impatient, angry, frustrated, all of those human emotions that we don't naturally know how to handle. I feel like on the one hand, we have positive parenting. And on the other hand, we have our human nature. And I was always pushing and pushing and pushing, reading all these books, trying to implement all the things I'd like pay to go all these workshops. And like, I went to see Gordon Neufeld in person and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do all this and then go home and then yell at my kids. I'm like, what is wrong with me? But nothing is wrong with you. Nobody, like nobody's teaching you how to bridge the gap. Like there's no, there's nobody that sits down and says, okay, now this is how you can actually learn how to be an emotional adult yourself. So I think all of the work to be done is within yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are there a couple of little tips that you can give the audience today if they're, you know, really struggling with this kind of maybe to help them go inward and see if there's anything about themselves yeah. that they're doing? So my number one tip, I have so many, but the, the, the number one thing that I do every single day is called a thought dump. So what you do, it's like a journaling process kind of. So you're just going to take a pen and paper and you're just going to write down all of the thoughts that come into your mind. So you're not judging them like, well, that's a dumb thought. I shouldn't think that you're just writing down all your primary thoughts. And it's kind of like, um, like there's credits on a screen going at the end of a movie. You're just watching them. You're just noticing them. You're not like sitting and dwelling with it. You're just like writing them down. They come up, another one comes up and you just write it down. So you do this for like three to five minutes. If you have longer, you can do longer. And once you're finished your thought dump, then you're going to go back and you're going to notice which ones of those are facts and which are thoughts. Cause we often think a lot of it is facts. Like I'm so dumb or I'm a bad mom, right? That's not actually a fact. If not everybody in the world would agree, then it's not a fact. So you're going to go back and circle all of the ones that are thoughts. And then you're just going to, the third step is just to create awareness around those thoughts. So for instance, if one of your thoughts is I'm a bad mom, this comes up often, or I don't know how to handle this. How do you think that's going to result for you that day? If you believe that to be true, and if you're really thinking that, what are you going to make that mean about your parenting? How's that going to feel? Is it going to serve you? 
to be thinking that. So I like to imagine, I really love minimalism. I'm such a minimalist. I've been on the minimalism journey, journey for five years. And um, I, it's exactly like that, but for your mind. You like go into your room, right? And you're supposed to clean out everything. So you get every single item and you put it on your bed and you dump all of this stuff on your bed and then you start sifting through it. And as you sift through each item, you lift it up and you're like, is this even mine? Like for instance, some of the false beliefs we have, we're like, don't even know we're there. Like they're just passed down from some other person and we decided to believe them. And so we're like, this doesn't fit me or is this serving me? Is this useful? Do I want to keep it? And just like you would go through that with your objects, you go through that with your thoughts and you ask yourself all those same questions. And sometimes I come across parents who are like, but, but I do believe that. I do believe that my teenager is on screens too much. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not a fact. And they're like, well, no, it is a fact because you could read all these studies that would tell you that this many hours and you know, their screen report said this. And I'm like, okay, well, even if it was a fact, is it serving you? And it never is. It's making them feel frustrated. They're getting mad about it. You know, they're grounding them or whatever, like it's disconnecting them together. So it's like, even if, even if some of those thoughts do seem really true, are they actually helpful? Are they helpful to keep around? Are they helpful to keep circulating in your mind all day? So that would for sure be my number one bit of advice would be to start doing that regularly. And it's been the biggest shift and transformation besides having my own coach and getting coached. That's probably been even bigger, but both of those things regularly are what I do kind of for my own mental wellness, mental hygiene, I guess you could say is, um, that I do regularly. And you do that every day. Yeah. So I self coach, I call it self coaching. Um, those thought dumps, I do that every single morning. Yeah. I haven't done it today. So I, right before we met, I wrote down a note like, Oh, I didn't self coach today. <laughs> um, but I do it every day. Um, and then I get coached typically once a week, sometimes only every other week. But, um, when I first started for sure once a week, and then I kind of shifted to every other week. Um, but I just think it's constant mind management. Like even when I'm like, you know, in, in the years when I'm a super successful coach and like everybody knows my name and I, you know, making tons of money, even that person is still going to need to manage their mind. Even that person is going to have negative thoughts that come up because it really is human nature and human nature is going to pop up at every stage of the game, whether or not you're making $3 million or you're not working at all, or, you know, if you're a really successful parent, whatever that means in your mind, like you're always going to have to be constantly managing your thoughts and your emotions. And, um, so I think these tools and skills are things that we're always going to need to be learning and growing and developing. Yeah. And you know, you're so right. I love how you say that because you're saying it doesn't matter which stage of life you're in. Like if you're just starting out on a career path or you're successful, you're, you've, you've hit your goals and you're at that dreams, everybody needs some form of help and guidance and, and, you know, mm -hmm. personal development along the way. And I remember hearing that from Tony Robbins, everybody's listening. They know who Tony mm -hmm. Robbins is. Yeah. I mean, come on, that guy, like he knows everything there is to know about personal development, right? But he has himself a coach. I'm thinking, who is this coach, by the way? <laughs> but, you know, he's got a coach. And I honestly, I can totally agree with you. I've gone through, I've got myself business coaches, and life coaches mm -hmm. and all these things. And I used to read books and, and do, you know, maybe self-help videos and things. But it wasn't until I actually sat down with somebody and really worked one-on-one -on -one that mm -hmm. my life changed. 
really and like true. the reason that Tony Robbins is Tony Robbins is that reason, exactly. right? Like we dehumanize them. Like, we'll like look at Tony Robbins or Brooke Castillo and be like, but they're so successful. And like we dehumanize them by thinking like they don't have the same human characteristics that we have. Like they probably never feel shame. They're probably never sad. They also don't feel anxiety, right? But they're totally human. And when we put them up on this pedestal, then we think that it's impossible for us to achieve that level of success when it's totally possible for us to achieve any level of success that we want because they started out just like we are starting out right now, right? Tony Robbins, if you've ever heard his story back when he was a teenager, like super poor household, like abused teenager, like he, he did not have a great childhood and he was still able to overcome those odds. And so we just think like, oh, well, he's just a special unicorn, but like, he's not, he just did the work and did the mind management. And even when I feel like I'm doing a really good job at self-coaching every day. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing good. I go and meet with my coach and like have some major mental shift, even though I know all the things like I've been trained, I know all this stuff and I'm like, duh, that's totally what I should have figured out. But having somebody else kind of, um, help you see your mind and just show you what, where your mental blocks are like in business too. Like I've coached several moms in business and the same thing, like they don't, they can't necessarily see where their mental blocks are. And so that's what my job is, is to kind of look at it from a bird's eye view and be like, Hey, where are the blocks? And they're always blocks that we put in front of ourselves. It's the exact same in you growing your business as it would be you being a mom. There's going to be this like invisible barrier wall in front of you and you can't see a way around it, but really it's just an invisible barrier wall and it's not really there. And so it's to kind of help show you like, okay, no, there's always a way through. So like if there was a way through, what would that way be? So I love that it can work with everything. Like I'm starting a weight loss program. I'm like just tonight is the very first group and it like works the same as business and business works the same as life and relationships. Like it's all so similar. Like self-help is all just so similar. It's like we have all of these blocks that come up for ourselves and they keep us from growth in whatever area that is. Mm -hmm. And you know, maybe you can, you know, give some inspiration and you have given so much already, but I am sure there's some listeners, some moms out there that are listening and saying like, it's kind of scary going down the self-development road, you know, kind of diving into the things that you believe about yourself and really kind of pulling up some things from your past. But what would you say to a mom that's listening? That's that kind of knows deep down inside, they need some help, but is a little afraid to take the first step. Um, I would say I would just do all the free things then first. Um, there's so much free stuff out there, right? Like you can just get books out from the library. You don't even have to purchase a book. Like all the Brene Brown books that I read, I bought pretty much everything she's ever written now. But at the time I just like borrowed them from friends or got them from the library or um, online too. Like there's so many free courses that you can take. Um, pretty much everybody offers some sort of a freebie or videos. There's positive parenting workshops that will come up for free every year. And so I just go to all those. I subscribe to those emails. I go to the positive parenting workshops. I learn all of the things. So I think that would be like a really first kind of soft, easy way to like ease yourself into the journey just to kind of start to learning and growing and developing a little bit. I think also instead of just consuming the information, actually trying to take action. So implementing it. So if I read a book, say I read Brene Brown's book, I'm going to like write a, like a two or three page book report 
on like what I learned. Like these are parts that I loved. I really resonate with this. This is an example from my life that goes with this. Or even just write down like, this is something I learned from this chapter and this is something I want to try and implement. So I try to do that in my workshops so that it's not just like, just sit and listen to me drone on all the time. But here's the idea. Now here's a workbook. Now what are you going to actually do this week? Like how are you going to make those changes? Because that's really... It's, it's really, I think even more so action than it is consuming the information. Um, so I think, yeah, if you're just easing yourself into this journey, start little by little by consuming that information and then just the tiny little steps, like one tiny little step, um, would be eight, eight second hugs a day. So kids need a lot more physical affection than we give them. So just try to find ways to give them physical affection. Um, it can be wrestling, it can be hugs, it can be snuggling with them, but eight times a day, try and make physical affection a priority. Another one is open conversation and communication. So when you ask your kid a question, don't have it be a um, yes or no question. Think about really uh, questions that could really open up that communication. So you can be like, oh, how was your sleep last night? What did you dream about? You know, like just try to think of like, conversation starters and then just listen, just allow them to talk and listen. And another one would be, um, get interested in their interests. So if they really love Minecraft and you think Minecraft's like the dumbest, just learn about it anyways, just listen to them. Maybe go watch a couple Minecraft YouTube videos, which sounds awful to me right now, but I know that that's <laughs> what my kids would love for me to do. And they even ask me like, please watch this moment. It's so great. Anyway. So just be interested in whatever their interest is so that you have something to talk about that's in common with them. Um, but yeah, the more that you learn and read, there'll be tiny little things like that too, that you can just start to do those tiny little things and then just look back and notice the shifts that happen. Because a lot of times we'll make those changes, but we don't take the time to stop and look back and be like, oh, this really is changing. Like these things are, are getting better. Yeah. Wow. Great tips. For all you listeners, you might want to pause it and rewind it and grab a pen or write a note on your phone because that's, that's such amazing tips. And I love the fact that you said, do something with the knowledge that you're gaining because I know personally, I was you know so bad for having all these self-help books and reading, 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 but never actually doing anything with it. Mm -hmm. So that's such a powerful tip to have. Oh, me too. I was like that for years. I would just be like, uh, reading it, but reading it just like I watch Netflix, right? And then like next book, next book. And I'm like, why is this not working? Like, why am I not changing? I shouldn't I be a positive parent now? I read seven books, but yeah, it's, um, it's really implementing what it is that they read, figuring out like, what are they really saying? What's a step that I could take today, even if it's just one. Yeah. So powerful. So where would I, where would our listeners go to find you, Crystal, and find out about your services? And can you tell us a tiny bit about some of the services that you offer, especially for moms? Yeah, for sure. Um, so my website is www.coachcrystal.ca. Crystal is C-R-Y-S-T-A-L. Um, so you can book an info session with me there. When I run online workshops, that's where there's like a sign in and you get your videos and your PDFs and stuff through that. Um, but most of my stuff happens on Instagram. So I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Both are called coaching with crystal Noel, N O E L L E. Um, but Instagram is where I do most of mine. So every Monday, like I said, free stuff every Monday, I have a Monday mini training. I'm going to be doing mine when we're finished this, but, um, it's just like a tiny little clip. Today's is going to be on people pleasing and self-confidence. And, um, 
the last few have been on self-confidence, but I'll just like, just do a three minute little IGTV video about something. So that's a really good way to start consuming that information and then incorporating it. Cause it'll just be like a tiny little thing. Um, I also, let's see, I have a freebie. You can get it on the link at my profile, my Instagram profile. You can click on that link and there'll be a few different um, links it can take you to. But one is my freebie right now is a self-care kit for mom. Because I really do believe that we don't spend time truly nourishing ourselves. We like do all these little things that we think we, that we call self-care, but we don't feel better after we don't feel filled up after. So it's kind of just developing a rhythm of self-care that's true to you. That really helps nourish you so that you feel like you can handle more, more after. Um, so that's my current freebie. I do monthly group workshops right now. Um, they're called girls night ends and I'm doing a stop overeating program, but that one's starting right immediately. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I don't take a ton of one-on-one -on -one clients cause I have so many other workshops and group things going on in the background. Um, but I usually have space for a few. Um, I probably have one more opening right now and yeah. So I always have something going on, either a workshop or an online group class or whatever, but I always post about it on Facebook and Instagram. So my followers always keep updated. And if you subscribe to my freebie, then you'll get on my email list. And I always, um, I usually email just a couple times a month, just saying what's going on that month and giving them a little bit of added value. That self-care kit for mom sounds really good. <laughs> I'm so sure good. a lot it of us like, it's, It has like a PDF of like um, positive belief, like affirmations, and it has self-care ideas. And there's like a video that talks about self-care. It's so good. As I was making this, I was like, I am sold on this. Like, this is so good. <laughs> for sure what moms need. Like when, and whenever I talk to people about it, I'm like, you have to get it literally. Like, I actually love it. Like, it's so good. Anyway, so I'm, I'm in the process of developing a new freebie, but that one has been, has been really, really great. But yeah, I always have something going on. I'm in, I'm right now I'm currently developing the teen workshop, like I talked about. And, um, so I'm hoping that that will be done the end of June ish. Um, but that one I'm excited about too, just because it is kind of all the things I wish I knew when I was a teenager, right? Going through high school, you just believe your friends, you believe your own negative thoughts about yourself, like your self-esteem so low, and even the people that seem like theirs isn't, it's usually because they're arrogant and trying to like show that they don't have low self-esteem when really they have even worse self low worse self-esteem than we do. So I think just all those things I wish there's so many things I wish I knew I was in high school. And so that's how I developed that course. All of the things that I know now that I wished that I knew then. And that's just for teens. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, it's probably based for kids like 11 to 15 ish, but it really is good for anybody. Like as I was doing it, I was like, parents could totally take the same course because it's really like feeling your feelings and, you know, um, growth mindset and accomplishing your dreams and goals and all of those kinds of things. So it can really be helpful for anybody, but I did make it with teenagers in mind because I just, I, these are all the things I want my kids to know. Like I told my boys already that they have to take it. I was like, you have to, you have to do the workbooks. You have to write your answers down. Like you have to do them all. Um, but I just, I really wish that I had that mindset shift when I was younger, like how much more I could have gotten out of my university and how much happier I could have been in high school and not even just happier, but like when I wasn't happy, I would have known what to do with my feelings and mm -hmm. not, you know, scared about how crazy I was feeling at the time. And teen, I mean, teenhood is so scary. I mean, I could have, I could have totally benefited from that. I had, I had a pretty rough teenhood for sure. But yeah, when you're saying that, I'm thinking of 
some teens in my life that I think would totally benefit from that. What a beautiful thing. You don't hear, that is so unique. You don't hear of people really kind of diving into the teen space and helping. It's, you hear a lot of, you know, kids, kids help, help for kids and then adults, but that mm-hmm. teenage era kind of gets kind of pushed aside a little bit. Oh, so it is so, so big. I was coaching a mom whose child was having, um, uh, suicidal issues and stuff. And at the time I thought, well, I don't know if this can help her. Like this might be too beyond me, but it really did help her. Like it helped her manage her own mind around what her, what her child was going through. And as she was able to help manage her mind, she came up with those answers. Like I was thinking, I don't even know what to tell her. Like, what do I tell her here? And I didn't have to tell her anything. Like when she was able to feel that confidence again and feel that love and that connection to her child, she knew all of the answers about what to do with her child. And she started doing them and it started shifting. And she sent me a message and just said, like, if it weren't for you, I would be totally spiraling right now. And instead I'm out on a walk, listening to a book with my dog and I'm feeling like not amazing, but feeling like I can handle this. And I just thought, that's all I need. I could quit now and be like, yep. I've, I've reached my goal. Like I have helped somebody, you know, in their life in a significant way. And anyways, that's why I want this to get out to teenagers. Cause I thought, wow, her child could have really benefited from this kind of learning as well. Yeah. And there's a huge need. There's a lot of depression and anxiety with teens right now. So, so much, so, so much so than ever has been in the past. Yeah. Wow. Crystal, thank you so much for bringing gifts to the world. Like I listening to you and the services you provide. And it's just, it's, it's so beautiful that there's people like you out there that are, are dedicating their lives to help. You know, there's so much need for it, especially in the world right now. So thank Thank you. you. Thank you. So I want to, I wanted to kind of wrap things up a little bit here. We're just kind of getting close to the end. And so there's a, there is a question I ask everybody on my podcast, but I'm like, Oh my gosh, she's given us so much. I don't know how she's going to do this. So the question is, if you could give our audience one tip that would help inspire them to live a healthier, happier life, what would that be? But you can also give us, you know, just a, a just a main takeaway of what we talked about today would also help. Okay. Um, I would say doing those thought dumps would be my biggest tip because we like to believe our thoughts. We like to just believe that when a thought comes in our mind, like you're not enough, you're not a good enough mom, you're not doing a good job. We like to just believe those and attach meaning to that and make it mean something about us and our parenting. And it's just not, I mean, it's not a good feeling to have. It's not a good thought or a belief. It's not going to serve us. And we just keep believing it. So, but if we were to look outside the window and look into the sky and be like, I think there's a pig flying there. Our mind would just be like, that's weird, right? That's, that's not true. And just like discount it. But when it's like a thought, like, well, I'm not enough. We're like, yep. Well, that sounds true for sure. But like, why is that true? And pigs flying in the sky is not true, right? I think it's just questioning all of the thoughts. We don't have to believe every thought that comes into our mind. We can start to question the validity of all of those thoughts. And the power that we have in our brain is that we get to choose, that we get to choose which of those thoughts we want to believe. If it doesn't feel good, if it's not serving you, if it's not helping, then you don't have to believe it. You can you can forge a new belief and a new path for yourself than you have in the past. You don't have to make your life mean something because of all of the things that have happened in your past. You can start right now and just forge a new path going forward. 
That is so powerful. It's, and I, I, I'm sure that's going to resonate with a lot of the listeners out there. So do the work guys. You're listening to this podcast, do exactly do what she says and do the work. Cause that is such a powerful tip that she's given us. And yeah, amazing. Well, Crystal, I'm going to wrap things up now. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. You're an absolute pleasure, wealth of knowledge. And I got, I personally got a lot out of this and I know that thank the audience you. did for sure. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to inspire her health podcast. If you were inspired about what you heard today, please leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. Also, please help us to inspire more women to live their best by taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it on your social media. Be sure to tag us at inspire her health so that we may give you a shout out on our social platforms and thank you for your support. If you would like more tips and tricks on how to live a healthier, happier life, be sure to visit us on our online magazine at www.inspireherhealth.com. And while you're there, we would love for you to join our community where you will be automatically entered in for our monthly giveaways, as well as receive weekly wellness challenges and exclusive content to inspire you through mind, body, and life. Thanks again for tuning in. See you in the next episode.